Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT, and this is episode 26. So we're already at episode 26. Well, as usual, each episode is a little different, unscripted, which is nice. It's it's free-flowing based on the mood and the energy during the recording. This episode... We have a special guest, a friend of mine, Nick, and he has his uh, own platform and show also on Rogue News, and he's referred to as Crypto Cowboy, so he has uh, insight on geopolitical events, the economy, the sophistication of economic markets, which is really a skill set of, of its own. It's its own, own little world. And uh, I have the Monday show, Outer Limits. So we have many times that we talk with one another on, on Discord and other platforms. And I wanted to get him on this show, get his insights, and his, his thoughts. And we finally were able to have our schedules meet today in order to do that. So like the other guests, we'll, we'll have Nick whatever he feels comfortable with, just general uh, demographics. So we kind of tell what generation uh, he is, which gives us uh, his rough age. And where did he grow up as far as was it United States? And if so, what part of the United States? Does he have any siblings or only child? And uh, does he have any children himself? And then we can just get on unscripted see how the next 50, 55 minutes rolls out and get, get his take. So with that being said, I want to welcome Nick to the Ethereal Underground audience. How are you doing today? And uh, feel free to give us a, a baseline of who you are. Well, sure. Yeah, um, I'm doing great. Thank you for, for having me on. Uh, you know, you and I've had quite a few conversations. So when you asked me to come on this show, I was like, oh, this, this is going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. So it's, uh, you know, out here I live, uh, you know, I'm in the U S I was born in Southern California. I now live in the mountain region. The weather is absolutely gorgeous right now. The fall, it's my favorite time of the year. Um, you know, you're actually playing, I think the winter portion of Vivaldi's four seasons. And I love That's Vivaldi. That's correct. You spot on. That was the winter portion of Vivaldi. Uh, yeah, he was an interesting character. I didn't know he was a Catholic priest. And uh, I think he, he was uh, a good one. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I mean, that. I, uh, all, all joking aside, I think he was uh, an honorable individual, from what I can tell, reading historical accounts and then his uh, skill set, and not only as a musician, but composing music. So he's definitely one of my favorite in this as you mentioned four seasons it's uh what i kind of gravitated towards the music composition as it's uplifting so if i listen to it's what is it it's maybe 50 minutes something like that if i listen to uh, the four seasons tr track uh, it's never depressing so it always to me is very uplifting music in the background we might want to talk a little bit about music and mood um, because music is one of the biggest aspects of my life. And, but uh, before we get there, I know you had some, some other questions about uh, my, you know, oh, yeah, I am yeah, you, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't mean to sidetrack you. So you, uh, no, you didn't. I, I, I brought, up it up. brought up in California and you're in the mountain region. So that to me, that's uh, just not space state specific, but like, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Utah type, because that's a mountain time region. Mountain that's time, because right. I'm central time. I'm in the Midwest. So you're the next section over. 
and then and then you're going to pick up like maybe what generation you are or do you have any siblings and do you have any children sure um i am the tail end of the gen x so i grew up when there were no there certainly was no internet or cell phones not that many people even had answering machines um and then i saw the advent of the internet so it's uh i'm the generation who knows what life is like without the internet and still knows how to use it to you know pretty much its fullest degree um and i have one child uh under a year so uh and, and plan to have at least one more okay and then uh do, do you have any brothers and sisters or are you the only child you got uh, four siblings and, and where are you in the mix um, there's a bit of a Brady Bunch type situation. I have an older brother who is not related to my three younger sisters and the older brother is almost 10 years older and the younger sisters are all born very close to each other. Uh, Irish triplets, as they say, good Catholic family. Um, and they're all 10 years or so younger than I am. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So I'm in Sorry. the middle and there's nobody else with my DNA. I think, uh, I think God or source or whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, they made me and they're like, oh, we can only afford one of these. And they broke the mold. Got it. Yeah, that might not be a bad thing. No, <laughs> you know me. <laughs> yeah. If you're a low production number, like in an automobile, you're worth more. <laughs> hey, I like your attitude. <laughs> right. Uh, that's interesting. You mentioned the uh, Brady Bunch. That was a very popular uh, show, TV show in the 70s. And uh, I, gr I grew up uh, watching... Uh, Brady Bunch and uh, that show ran long enough that they got older by the time the show ended. And then he had Alice who was kind of the maid and uh, mm -hmm. cook helper of the house. So she was an interesting character. And then she, she had, the, I guess the her, voice of reason. Yeah. Voice. of Yeah. She, she uh, played a very interesting role voice of, reason uh with the children and then her sidekick sam i remember he was always pleasant i think sam was the maybe the butcher or something and um i don't know if they were kind of dating but he would show up from time to time in the show but that would seem to be pretty wholesome they would uh deal with family issues of the time uh, maybe social economic issues i would categorize it as somewhat wholesome uh, yeah, definitely. Compared but, uh, to what we see now. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm really out of touch. I I, I know you and I've I mentioned this at at nauseum, but I bring it up a lot because for me it was one of the best top five decisions I've made in my life. But I got rid of TV in 1992, and I think I could be wrong, but I, that might have been the early stages. TV had progressed. I think Seinfeld might have been a popular show back then or That's Friends. Right. I yeah, don't Seinfeld, I think Friends was a little bit later. Was it a little bit later? Yeah, um, Friends was like late 90s or mid 90s, I think. Okay. Seinfeld was, was I think Seinfeld might have started the late 80s. Definitely was early 90s. Early 90s. And then uh, what about, I know Cheers was before Seinfeld. Oh, Cheers correct? was like early 80s. Yeah, Cheers. And then... Uh, there was a spinoff of Cheers with Frasier. Yeah, Frasier had his show. That was more of a 90s show. And I don't think it started until the 90s. Okay, yeah. So my as far as my memory and connection to TV or Hollywood, it kind of stops around 92. Now, I, I was familiar with some of the shows after that, but I never had a TV. But maybe if I were visiting friends or family, they had TV on in the background. I'd pick up, but uh, I have no idea and i'm probably because i'm an old fart uh, in my 50s but the i'm shocked when i i see tv shows today if it's a disney streaming or a netflix uh, hbo type and it's showing my age i'm like boy this sure isn't uh brady bunch or uh welcome back hotter or barney miller anymore <laughs> Well, here's a good example. So I had uh, my wife and I had our cousin over the other night, her cousin. Um, and I'm really close with my in-laws as I am with my own family. You know, we, we value family, all that stuff. 
So, you know, said, come on over, we'll watch movies. And we let my cousin choose the movies. And he's, he's just a, a not much younger than I am by maybe seven or eight years. And uh, so he chose two movies, one that was probably 10 years ago. And then one from the mid eighties, 10 years ago movie. I don't remember what it was called. It was a comedy with a lot of the guys that were doing comedies. There was lots of cursing, lots of F words, lots of uh, um, kind of just terrible themes, very violent um, and silly and just trivializing violence. Now, look, I am not a holy roller. You know, I, I'm that kind of stuff. Like I'm not, I'm not the kind that's going to, you know, denounce that stuff. It's not my style. Um, what's what I do for me is what I do for me. And if that's something that somebody else likes to watch and it doesn't affect them negatively, I see, you know, that's not for me to even comment on. I'm just talking about my own opinion. The second movie was uh, called Silverado from 1985. It's an all-star cast. It's a Western. And um, yeah, you know what? It's a Western. They're shooting, um, you know, there's sex, there's things like that, but it's all so wholesome. Uh, some of the deaths, you don't even see the death you hear the gunshot from, you know, miles away and you see the body way far away. And, you know, and even, I don't know, it's just, how do I put this? So everything now, and by the way, uh, side note, my parents took the TV out of the house in 1992, by the way, that's funny that you should have done. Oh, it really? Yeah. They, they took the TV out of the house. They kept the television, but the only thing that would be on TV was stuff that they could control. So they had, you know, like cartoons that they knew were okay. They put the, for the kids. So anyway, um, and I think my sister came down the stairs one day dressed like Clarissa explains it all in Nickelodeon. And my parents said, okay, that's it. You know, they, <laughs> cause Clarissa was young and dressed rather provocatively. So, um, they did that. Now, mind you, my sisters are all very well-rounded. They all, uh, have, in, they all play instruments. They're all educated. They're none of them have gotten in trouble, um, with the law or anything. So, you know, maybe there's something that to be said for that. Um, but yeah, I think like, for example, I wanted to see Westworld on HBO. I heard it's a really good show and I watched five or six episodes. And as far as the writing is concerned, it is a good show, but that show is so horribly violent and it's, and they use the, look, a little cursing here and there. It doesn't really bother me. You know, I mean, I curse, I, I, you know, you and I have cursed. It's not, you know, but it's like, it's, it gets to the level where the, these, these, violence and the cursing and all that it's just it takes away from the show it takes away from the concept and uh i don't know maybe i'm just at that weird point in life where i'm not young and i'm not old but i'm starting to become grumpy and you know uh, maybe it's uh i'm gonna start talking about the kids these days in another few years you know what i mean oh you mean like how i am now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Right. Uh, with, the, yeah. with the LEDs around their headlights, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's funny you said that. The the LEDs uh, in in my area trucks are pretty popular, uh, like four, four wheel drive trucks. And, you know these these trucks are very expensive. the The other day, uh, maybe for entertainment or shock value. I was bold and I thought I'm going to saunter in. That's an old word. I'm going to just saunter. Uh, saunter, saunter in and uh, look at a, a Dodge dealership. And there was a three quarter ton uh, power wagon. Cause I had a power wagon back in the eighties. I had se several of them. I thought, Oh, they, they still kept that. So I went up there, no salesman around. I went up there. Uh, it was white with the, the black uh, decaling striping four wheel drive. That's what power wagons are. And the, the, the sticker on it was $90,000. So uh, after the paramedics revived me in the parking lot, uh, I was able to get back into my vehicle. I, that's kidding joke, but the uh, sticker shock was unreal. And uh, others said, Oh no, I, I've seen them 110,000. But anyway, these uh, trucks are, pretty popular with the younger crowd and they're not not cheap well they when they lift them they, they raise them higher than the factory with lift kits they put these led lights all underneath inside the mm -hmm. wheel well and along the frame what whether it's kind of a, a lime green or a yellow purple 
and they cruise up and down uh, the, the streets, which is fine because I did cruising. I had uh, muscle cars when I was growing up. I had a muscle car collection many years ago, uh, back when I was playing hockey and stuff. But they uh, cruise up and down the strip. Well, at this, these particular car shows, which which is held once a year, attracts a lot of people. Uh, I was there, and uh, at nighttime as they're cruising, they're only cruising maybe five miles an hour, making this loop, and there's thousands of people on foot. So these kids are driving by, and I'm talking to them. Their windows are down there in the car, and I go, hey, I love these lights and everything. They're like, oh, thanks, man. I go, uh, that's a good idea. When I, when I was your age, younger, we didn't have these LEDs, but I would love to have them on my pickup truck. And they're like, oh, really? I go, yeah, because because uh, my truck breaks down all the time. Uh, lighting up underneath this, it'll help me with repairs to my truck. Because <laughs> I because I haven't, I, I've had F-150s, F-250s uh, for forever. And oh, yeah, I love laugh. F-150s. They, they don't get it. So what's interesting is uh, my jokes, corny as they are, I, I'm having great difficulty get, getting anyone 30 and younger to laugh. But when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was kind of like a Kramer or sign. I was able to get everyone to laugh, like at going out to eat or in the locker room when I was playing hockey. I was kind of the comedian. But I can't get the I can't relate or my sense of humor is not connecting with the 30 because none of them ever laugh. And it's a truckload of kids that are 19 25 26 years old but to me that's hilarious to to picture my truck all lit up with these leds not to show it off because it's an eighty thousand dollar vehicle no because my truck is so junky and always breaking down it's convenient to light up so i can do the mechanical repairs to me that was like a funny joke and i've, I've tried i've used it about five or six times i've yet to get any of the younger kids to laugh at it so well, is that is I, that I'm because a, I'm an old man or what? I don't know. It's I mean, OK, so I get accused of the dad jokes. Because that, oh, that's okay. a dad joke. That's a dad that's joke. They, yeah. I, my sister's bought me a shirt. You know how like when you're uh, loading a program and it has the, the loading bar, like the progress bar. Yes. And so it has that progress bar and it says dad joke loading. Yeah, great. Well, maybe so, I need you know, to start the, wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, it's if you if you do like <laughs> that's what the the young kids if you just kind of frame it as a dad joke, maybe they'll get it. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I deal with young people um a lot because of the business I'm in, cryptocurrency, that's a young person's game. And I'm young at heart in a way. Um, you know, I, I even use some young slang, you know. Um I say things like yeet and I really have no business saying yeet. Yeet is like uh, the noise you make when you get scared, like yeet. And then like, sometimes you throw something when you're scared, like you, you open up, uh, I don't know, there's a spider on your hand and you go yeet and you throw it across the room. So like anytime you throw something like that, it's called yeeting it. Oh, I yeeted that across the room. And I don't know. I think maybe some people look at me if I say that and be like, ah, this old guy's trying to be cool. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, Are you there? We lost it briefly. See if he gets reconnected. Sometimes if they're on the cell phone and they get a call in, it disconnects. So we'll see if he comes back up. That's interesting. Uh, Woody, I didn't know what that yeet meant, so I did learn something. I'm assuming that's Y-E-T is what he was saying. Eat. Well, I think I'm at that stage where I'm considered old man. And I never thought, perhaps a, a lot of us growing up thought we'd never turn into our dad or um, be an old man. But I don't know if that's a evolutionary cycle. Or if it's, I'm thinking it's more related to the generational difference, which is normal or to be uh, accepted because 
there's different electromagnetic signatures. There's a, a, a change in music. There's a change in language. There's a change in social structure. And that will form your opinions and your reality. So I, I think it's naturally you can't help it if there's 30, 40 year age gap, then it's going to manifest itself in humor. It's going to ma manifest itself in reality, in, in perception. And you just have to either accept those differences or uh, learn how to maybe compromise or adjust to allow such differences. And I think uh, Crypto Cowboy, were you able to log back on? Looks like your mic's muted. Yeah, it's. can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I, were you on a yeah, cell phone? I, I, no, no, I'm on. I'm actually hard, uh, hard connected to a modem. I think my my internet just dropped off. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you're on your phone and a, a phone call came in and it disconnected you on, on this app. Mm -mm. But no, I'm, you, I'm on a desktop. Hard... Well, yeah, I, get... I, I just got tired of. I, I got tired of your dad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great, great. So you, you got yeah, that. I... Uh, that cycling signal when something's trying to load and it's just spinning in that circle. Yeah, that's, I, I just, I, I mean, I could tell that I'd gotten off and then I, uh, I sent you a quick message using my cellular network, but that's so I didn't, you know, hopefully we didn't lose too much uh, of the momentum of the show. And um, I, I, you know, I watched my dad and my dad's really good with young people, right? Especially like, uh, you know, kids under 10, he's always been really good with that teenagers, Grown up in Boy Scouts um, and I see him and he knows, you know, he'll talk to young people and they'll kind of give him this deer in the headlights when he's joking with them. Right. And it's just, I think it's like, I think there might be a situation where the young people are so disconnected from the older generation that it might not have anything to do with delivery. It might not have anything to do with what you say. It's just the generation gap is maybe wider than it's been in the past. I don't know. Maybe nothing changes under the sun. <laughs> you know, it might just have always been that way. And people like you and I might be different. We don't, we don't, we're not affected by that gap like so many, you know? Yeah, that was interesting. When you lost your connection, uh, instead of dead airspace, I rambled on and I touched on that, what you just mentioned the differences in the in the generation i'm under suspicion that the generation gap has been amplified due to technology and the dynamics of social media so i think the generation gap is wider now than before because of silicon valley type technology um that would be an interesting study uh, to participate in and see what the outcome is. But the what I've noticed, the thinking process, especially in science field with the younger scientists, somehow I can't quite put my finger on it, but the ability to string long, sophisticated, advanced, thought processes does not exist with the younger scientists. That's because it's not 180 words or less. Yeah. So I don't know if the, the TikTok type syndrome, but the two minute and less attention span and uh, the media where there always has to be some type of video stimulation. If well, let me back up, I remember lectures. I remember attending lectures where they were three to four hours long. And then you had a break. So three to four hours, you had to concentrate for three to four hours, taking notes and your my hand cramping up from holding the pen or pencil with the tablet, uh, taking notes. And then there's either a restroom break or lunch break. And it was three to four hours between a break. And and you, fatigue, you're very fatigued. And you're like, oh, thank goodness, it's, it's lunch. Or... Uh, 
they're, they're having a 15 minute restroom break. Cause I really had to use the restroom and uh, it, it was starting to get painful because I, I had to use the restrooms. But now I've noticed there's nowhere is there three hour long lectures. In fact, if there's a Ted talk, TED talk or uh, lectures, I noticed that they break these lectures up, not only with frequent breaks, but instead of dialogue for two plus hours straight, it's three or four minutes and there, there, there's a video clip or a image, like a PowerPoint image. Then there's three minutes of discussion and then another image or a cartoon or a video, then three minutes. So they're breaking up and I'm like, this generation can't, they mentally and physically could not do a two to three hour lecture with no PowerPoint stimulation, no video, no cartoon or image displayed on a screen, just straight. They couldn't do it. So the uh, problem. You, I'm, I'm, I'm careful not to paint everybody with the same brush. Um, oh, I do that all the know, time. I have a big, fat, long, broad brush, but go ahead. Nice. Like, like one of those, you know, for painting the side of the house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paint the fence. Um, uh, paint the fence, Danielson. So uh, with the attention span, the one area I can think of where the young people are able to handle it possibly might be in podcasts. So you have the, the popularity of long form podcasts, like, you know, Joe Rogan, um, you know, things like that. Again, if you're watching the video, there are images, um, but it's not a lecture. That's a conversation, right? So, yeah, you know, lecture. It's the reason why I brought lecture up is that's because there's note taking, because there's uh, minute points of interest that will need to be recalled later. So your laser beam focus. I think it's much harder to to pay attention to a two hour lecture than a two hour Rogan podcast because that is a conversation. And then uh, if it's also televised, there's hand gestures and uh, maybe uh, video clips inserted. Yeah, I was uh, I was referencing the old school two to three hour lectures. Yeah. This, and, you know, I, I went to I don't know how they're doing it now at university, but, you know, I've been through some pretty long lectures. And I know you and I were in a conversation with a few people yesterday. Um, you know, I like you was an avid note taker um i had one of those you know those pens that have the four colors you just click the different color down oh i love those yeah four different and so, the bic the bic yeah that's it and the little you know blue and white bic and so i would actually like everything was color coded so the main content was black um the special note was blue the green underline was super important no the red underline was super important and then the green were my own notes off in the uh, in the margins so i was a very now, yep. when I say avid, you know, they actually took us through a, a class called avid note taking that taught everybody in my generation that, um, but I wasn't doing that. I just was doing my own thing. So, you know, um, definitely able to stomach a long lecture. Now, I don't know how they're doing things in university now. Uh, I suppose if the lecture is more than 20 minutes, you got to walk over to a safe space and play with some crayons and, you know, puppies or something. I don't know. Right. Well, here's, here's why I brought this up. And uh, Nick, help me out if I if I don't make the proper connection or bridge to my final point. The with the younger scientists who've been uh, educated in a different format, where I was more old school, these boring, uh, long lectures, laborious, but. Uh, the being forced the way I, my education of these long two, three hour lectures with the note taking, as we mentioned, and the hand cramping forced my brain to uh, stay attentive, paying attention the full two or three hours because of the minute points, which I knew were going to be brought up later in an exam or quiz format. Uh, allowed me to have brain power of concentration for three hours or longer. And if there's a very advanced scientific theory, you have to be able to 
focus on a line of reasoning for many hours in order to formulate an experiment, a thesis, and uh, develop, a, if it's a series of math sequences. And if you can only do jaunts of 20 to 30 minutes with a break, 20 to 30 minutes with a mental break, you won't have that longevity for the deeper scientific theories in order for it to develop. But I think that also translates into deeper, sophisticated, spiritual theories. So I'm wondering, and go ahead and correct me, because uh, uh, I'm, I'm always wrong. Everyone everyone corrects me on Zoom and Discord, or my, they email me on my Outer Limits shows. It's, it's amazing. It was great, like, right? Yeah, maybe one, two or three people go, hey, I enjoyed it. Everyone else is like nitpicking. Well, you said this, you shouldn't have said that. But uh, I'm wondering, a theory that I have is when I keep talking about these system engineers, which I think are uh, comprised of human and non-human uh, intelligence, where maybe they don't have the best agenda or they want to dominate or uh, influence, control mankind instead of letting us be independent sovereign conscious entities i wonder if they figured out that by altering the learning techniques and chopping it up uh, the concentration span and the smaller increments and needing stimuli some type of video stimuli that they will stunt or thwart the upcoming generations from ever being able to have long concentrated thoughts which are necessary for science discovery and spiritual thought. And, and any, uh, I know I just hit you with this. Do you have any thought on that or comment? Oh, no, I, I can, I can take that on. Um, it makes sense, right. From a standpoint where, you know, that it, it makes 100% sense with those inputs, what you're saying. So, if your input is okay, there's there are the system engineers, they want to break concentration, and so it you know um, by doing so we start doing our education in this way, or we start creating these uh, you know media, yeah you know platforms like TikTok or Twitter, 180 words or less. You know we don't allow people to have long moments of conversation um, or of uh, concentration. Yeah, that that fits, uh, whether it be system engineers or if that is a little too far out for somebody to believe in, you could just say um, it might just be that whoever is running things, even if they're human or, you know, whether they're human or not. Um, one thing that it, it would match what I'm seeing in the financial world. So that the, the, the analog to your idea yes. of system engineers breaking down people's concentration is perfectly analogous to the way that young people are treating money. Right. And, and mm -hmm. it's kind of always been this way with young people, but perhaps they're exacerbating it. You don't really, you know, young people are not quite as interested in investing their money. Although there's a new class of young investors to be sure. Um, so that, you know, it's, it's kind of a, give and take on that. But I am seeing a lot of people who they just don't want to hold their investment for the long run. Um, now, mind you, you can make money doing that if you have a skill set. But say for cryptocurrency, you know, most people who are making money in crypto have been holding them for a long time. Right. right. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people, they panic, they sell, or they want to just make their few percent and get out. And um, yeah, so I think it's, you know, I think attention spans seem to be shortening. The question really, is it a chicken or an egg thing? These uh, young people have always had short attention spans, um, most young people. So is, it, is, is the TikTok thing and the Twitter thing and this what we're talking about with the short attention span, is that something that is developed because they are marketing towards young people and that's just what markets better? Or are they using it as a tool to decrease attention spans? Or the third option would be, is it a little bit of both? And is it financially motivated? Are they able to make more money because they can cut people's attention span? Um, or, or is it uh, 
more nefarious in that, okay, here, here's a great example of where that would work by a system engineer standpoint. Um, the people who are running things, be they human or not, or both. Um, but one thing they're really good at is distraction. So, you know, a distraction is, is key to subjugating a people. Um, it, I mean, that goes back as far as history goes, you know, Rome, um, Rome had bread and circuses. We could also use the term plastic and leather. Um, you know, if you're so busy going from one thing to the next, what you're not going to probably see is the big picture. And that works, you know, the, and in my opinion, the powerful, the only thing they want to do is to become more powerful, right? So is giving the people a little bit of freedom going to make them powerful or is taking their freedom away going to make them more powerful? And I think the answer is yes, depending on what cycle of the economy we're in. So that's, that's a long form answer to your question. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you think of my take on that? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think it's nefarious. My, I, I'm, I don't hide the fact that uh, for whatever my thoughts or opinions are worth, which are less than a nickel, <laughs> um, I, I think that there's a human and a non-human. So uh, to use a scriptural reference, if the Bibles talk about fallen angels or uh, a, a Satan and the demons uh, reference, I, I do believe that there are conscious, intelligent life forms other than human. Um, and I think some of those might have gone rogue or they've uh, branched off and there seems to be some type of rebellion or, or resistance in frequencies and energy vectors. So I don't, good guys, bad guys, maybe uh, simplifies it even further. But I think there's definitely an agenda to keep humanity divided, to keep us from progressing spiritually and keep us from understanding if there is a God, a source or divine, what is it? How do you connect or form a relationship to that? And what's the difference between natural order, something coming from the divine source, God, creator, versus being able to identify what's artificial? What's an artificial frequency signaling? What's an artificial matrix or artificial reality? What is a genuine, natural, organic reality that would be sponsored by a, a God, source, or creator? So I... I always champion that on my podcasts and I always hint to that every episode of outer limits on the, on rogue news and then on zoom discussions, which is a very much smaller audience that, uh, I think that there's a spiritual warfare there. There's some type of influence or force to disconnect us from nature, from discovering, is there a God or a divine? and distracting us with plastic and leather and a, a world reality that's inorganic. I call it maybe Silicon Valley type reality. And I, I see so many people focused on the plastic and leather, the Silicon Valley reality. I don't know. We talked about this before the interview, and then I'll let you, instead of me rambling, I'll let you cut in. I don't know. Lately, I'm thinking I've wasted more than a decade i've wasted my time thinking i could wake people up and i and now i'm starting to realize well you're you're an idiot what are you arrogant or haughty is it your place to wake people up or are we on this individual journey and everyone's responsible whether they so-called wake up or not so am i overstepping my boundaries trying to influence people i think i'm trying to help people maybe i should, should keep my mouth shut and worry about my own personal journey and leave it at that. But uh, I'll let you, I'll let you comment. Oh, sure. Um, 
well. I know that, and as I grow older, there are certain things that I'm not as convicted about. I don't have as much conviction about certain subjects. And then I, I'm growing in conviction for other subjects, right? I guess you could say my priorities have changed. Um, but one thing is that I am noticing, and my wife taught me this in a, by her way of doing things, is that, you know, the, the, the um, changing somebody's perception trying to get them to see something they didn't see before, whatever that is, you know, cognitive dissonance is real and it's strong. And with the way that media is now, like some of the things we talked about, TikTok, Twitter, internet, television, people watching eight hours of TV a day, um, you know, basically that's programming and the programming has only become more sophisticated in over time. And that, that's the one thing that has changed that I think other things haven't changed much, but the technology is definitely new. So when people have that level of this new programming, cutting through the cognitive dissonance is extremely difficult. Um, however, if you have something that you're trying to wake people up to, one of the ways I have found through watching other people mostly, one of the ways that works best is to plant seeds um, and, and, and kind of let those seeds grow. Um, it, it's kind of like that, uh, I don't know. It's like dealing with an animal, uh, where, you know, if you approach the animal too aggressively, they get scared and they run. Um, if you let the animal know that you're there to be a friend, maybe they'll come to you and you have a better chance of gaining the trust. Um, it's a sales technique. It's psychology. It's, it's all these things. Um, so, you know, I've, I tend to be more like you. Um, when I'm trying to discuss things with people, I tend to just be like, Hey, look, I got the information. I've been studying this. This is my, uh, you know, conversational domain. You should just listen to me because I know what I'm talking about. And I've studied this. You watch a lot of TV. I don't, you know, I mean, that's, again, that comes down to, <laughs> uh, a layer, a level of arrogance that I've had to shed over the years because people don't care. Um, and if you're going to, you know, at least in my experience, if I approach people with, that attitude, they're just not going to listen. Um, there are times, I think, to use that, certainly. Um, but for the most part, I found that, you know, just kind of matching somebody's wavelength, matching their vibe, and, you know, listening to what they have to say. Most people, they just want to be heard. Um, whether they know what they're talking about or not, most people want to be heard. And I found, and by the way, a little background, I, I spent the better part of a decade negotiating insurance claims. So I was walking into to adverse, uh, adversarial, hostile environments, oftentimes having to be somebody telling people, and I can't say the word no, but I have to relay the concept of no. Um, so I had to learn, and I had to learn so that I wouldn't lose my job. Or I, I should say, I had to learn so that I could keep my job how to do that. And so that gave me a much softer touch and it gave me a better idea of how to have a conversation with somebody, allow them to be heard, allow them to have their input, to gain their trust. And mostly to, to if you treat people with dignity and, and you don't treat, or I should say I, when I treat people with dignity and I don't treat them like they're a dumbass, they tend to be a little more receptive um, to what I have to say. And, you know, maybe I'll have a conversation. I'll ask a lot of questions um, I might lead them to a point um, and eventually they'll ask questions. And if they don't, then, okay, they didn't. And that's that I move on to somebody who will. Right. I, the, the points you brought up are valid and, and spot on. Uh, so I, I agree with that. And uh, there are times that uh, I've, I've not done that. And then there's consequences because of that. I'm lately. I'm starting to think, however, uh, Nick, that um, I had a lot of uh, discoveries in in science through uh, observations and experiments. And the last eight to ten years, there's been an explosion of understanding that I found very exciting, revolutionary, and I thought. You know, I bet a lot of people would find this interesting or appreciate it. 
And I don't think that's the case. And I'm starting to lately, whether it's right or wrong, I'm starting to go into silence and no longer sharing the scientific discoveries, um, keeping it to, to myself and the small scientific community, uh, keeping notes and logging it. But uh, I, I think what I'm going to be doing from this point, I'm in my mid-50s until I kick the bucket. I'm no longer going to share publicly or even address any of these observations or discoveries. I think I'm chalking it up that this is a personal journey. Uh, there's a reason maybe why this information is being revealed to me. Maybe it's because I put in the elbow grease, the time and effort for discovery. So I'm being allowed to see it. And that'll help me on my spiritual journey. And uh, I'm withdrawing from society. Uh, I don't connect to society anymore. I don't know where the world is headed, but I know I'm not going that direction. And I think it's time to close this chapter in my life and go solo from this point out. I can kind of see the, the scientists that I follow, the mid to late 1800s, early 1900s that understood field theory. I understood why they were uh, very reclusive towards the end of their life. I think it's a pattern uh, that I'm just, I'm following the same pattern that they did. I think it's inevitable. And uh, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter anyway, because if, if I keep more quiet, no one will know the difference. I don't have a big audience anyways, maybe three or 400 people that maybe listen to the show, if that. So it's not going to have any impact on society. I'm just talking out loud, more confident. I'm maybe uh, being more confident because I'm comfortable talking to you about this. But I, I don't see this trend changing. I see me becoming more isolated and keeping to myself and figure, well, if Nick or anyone else uh, enjoyed this information, I'm thinking the universe will see to it that somehow you discover it. You don't need me to tell you that. You'll discover it someday, some point in your life. If it's meant to be, if you're meant to know this information, you'll know it. It's just not my place to broadcast it anymore to the general public. That That's where I'm really leaning the, the past two years, especially because what's happened last coming up on three years with this pharmaceutical nonsense and the media, uh, the so-called pandemic has really changed my perception of humanity and what my theoretically, supposedly what my role is being here on earth. And I'm not going to be the spokesman anymore and reveal uh, these field theory discoveries. I'm going to keep my mouth shut and let everyone do the same research that I'm doing, because if it's meant to be, you'll discover it like I did. But I am no longer uh, trying to turn this tide or influence this world society because I don't relate to it anymore. I don't know who or what humanity is. I know I'm not headed in that direction. I'm going in a complete opposite direction. I wish them goodwill. I wish human society uh, goodwill. Hope things work out. Uh but that's not where I'm headed. Well, so sure. And I think that's natural. Um, you know, it's, first of all, the, the discoveries you're making from, uh, you know, I'm not a scientist. I spent a short time, I don't know, maybe a year or less working in a laboratory doing very, very, very extremely low level stuff. I mean, I, I, I was, uh, I was a pre-med student and I worked in a bio lab but uh, I really did not, I can't call myself a scientist by any means. I just have a little bit of understanding of the scientific method and we'll leave it at that. Um, I think that this field theory, the, the things that you're doing are so high level, you're only going to get a certain amount of people who have the uh, capacity for it anyway. Um, also now looking, you know, in our conversations, I know about I know of four or maybe a few more people who are in kind of constantly in your conversations um, that have been for a long time, you know, a group, you know, the, the same group that, that kind of hangs out with us that are more, you know, that I've only been really talking to you for a few months, listening to you for a few years, uh, you know, and just on the time that you've been in rogue, I think you were 
I think you're doing some rogue stuff well, like a year or two ago, and then you've kind of been a lot more active this year. Um, so I think that you're going to always have a few people in your community. Um, I think it's natural as we get older, uh, you know, I moved, you know, I'm not young anymore. I was young. I wanted to live in a city, downtown area, be around people. You know, that's what I wanted. And then as I got older, I did enjoy having the peace of living kind of a little away from people. I, I started living on like a three acre plot that was more farming in Southern California. Um, and I really enjoyed kind of the solitude of that. And then uh, I went ahead and picked up and left Southern California, moved to a, a bit more of a rural area. I'm still, um, you know, 30 minutes from three Costco's. I mean, I, re- I didn't go way out, but, you know, the area I live in is pretty low population. It's just 20 minutes out of town. and There's not a lot of people. It's a lot of farms. And I find myself wanting to go even further out. So I think that might be, especially for men, I think it's a male thing more than it is a female thing, um, especially a certain kind of man. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, think about it this way. Like if you look at all the ancient cultures, at least, I don't know what I know of them from watching TV or the little reading I've done. Um, the shaman tends to be on his own, you know, right. the shaman doesn't have like anybody in it, you know, like they, the, but you'll notice that the young people will go to the shaman for wisdom. So I think that if you were to completely back off, um, it'll be one of those, uh, what do they say? The saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I think it might be that kind of a scenario. And I do agree with you on your point where universe or source or God or whatever your name is. Um, if the, if that entity, uh, will we'll say if the counter space entity wants to, you know, wants that information that you're discovering to be shared, then it's going to be shared. Because that's correct, you can't go against the universe. No, that, you can that's try. How... Well, I I think I agree that the audience is extremely limited with the subject matter that I discuss. I think the audience is limited that that are even interested in it. But it is it is advanced, and I the main point I try to get across, and I had, and at least it's documented. Uh, maybe at the higher level in counter space that I, with good intentions, I did try to uh, encourage and share some of these uh, discoveries, but there's definitely a a connection between uh, consciousness, which we've seem to indicate exists in a higher plane, the etheric, we call it the etheric field that this uh, human body is kind of an avatar it's the DNA and the uh, neural network is designed very uh, advanced sensors to pick up electromagnetic frequencies. And now that's scientifically proven. Yeah. And, and uh, water, uh, when I understood how water works, the importance of the water molecule, and it's an interface between this realm, this reality and counter space. That's why water is so important to human plants and animals, organic. It was uh, very fascinating. So I thought, well, if I can just go on record saying that uh, we know that there's a a counter space, the ancient text might refer to it as a heaven. As a scientist, the group were convinced that heaven exists. We know that there's a a God, a source or creator. Uh, Water is a mechanism of communication, energy, the data transport, the sun, the electromagnetic energy coming from the sun is coded. It has data attached to it. We have DNA sensories that can uh, interpret some of that electromagnetic frequency, some of it when it's an X-ray or gamma ray range, that's meant not for us, but something else. But uh, that what comes out of the sun the electromagnetic energy is programmed. It's programmed from an intelligence in counter space. And I understand the basic principles now. I was traditionally trained in atomic theory. I have two degrees, chemistry and environmental science degree. But uh, I switched to field theory, and that's more self-taught. And that was the great geniuses of late 18, early 1900s, most of which their work in lab was confiscated by Department of Energy and other government agencies, which is interesting. So uh, 
it's a wonderful world that I've discovered. And I thought, well, if I can just entice the little people or say, hey, here's where we're at. Here's what we discovered. If you're interested, I encourage you to start this journey. I did many years ago. It's fascinating. It's highly suppressed. It's not taught in universities. I'm not going to be on any Joe Rogan show. I'm not going to be on Good Morning America. This world system of things will not champion or promote this knowledge. It wants to suppress it. So all I can do is reach two or 300 people on Outer Limits or Ethereal Underground podcast. That's the best it's going to be. I realize that. But I think I did my duty to society. And now I want to concentrate on my understanding, my advancement spiritually. I think that's where it's at. I'm not really worried about plastic and leather. I was when I was younger, but I'm in a different spot now. And I hope that uh, the historical record of who I was while I was on Earth uh, and interacting in, in human form, that I at least get a, a grade of a C. If I can just get a passing grade of a C, I think I'll be happy with that. And that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. I don't know if I, if I'll still keep a platform open for a handful of people that want to communicate with me or ask questions. Cause I'll be, if the, the questions are respectful, I'll definitely be willing to uh, address them because I'm, I'm very caring and sharing in that respect. But uh, I don't know if I should keep the, channel communications open for those handful of people that are still interested or just shut everything down. This podcast, Outer Limits, the Discord, Zoom, just shut everything down and uh, just re revert back to a, a, a cabin, a mad scientist in, in, in a rural area with no internet. So I haven't, I haven't decided which route to go yet. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, you know, from our conversations, you do have a, um, we'll use the term strong connection to source or universe or God or creator, whatever that is. Um, and again, it's another, it's another place where I think that you can, um, rest easy in knowing that you will be directed in as far as how that information is shared or how much or to whom. Um, you know, that direction may come in the form of coincidence. It may come in the form of things that happen to which you react. Um, you know, it may just be something that's a feeling in your gut. You know, I think that, uh, I think, you know, I do focus a lot on gut in a sense, um, because I think I'm a fairly intelligent person. You know, I don't have any, um, oh, delusions of grandeur. I'm not, certainly not the smartest guy around, but I think I'm fairly intelligent enough to, for my subconscious to put together a pretty decent emotional gestalt that can direct me through certain situations. Um, it's not too often when I have to sit there and really debate something in my mind and go, you know, I just, man, I really, you know, it's for the most part, I think I have a pretty good idea of how something feels to me. Oh, uh, saying this to this person, does that feel good or does it feel bad? You know, and I think is with your inquiry, um, I do believe that you'll be given that, that gestalt for the same reasons. Um, you know, this is, I think that you, well, I know that you've talked about how uh, the universe or, uh, you know, the creator or whatever it might be is, is kind of um, reading our emotions all of the time. Yes. And I think that the emotion, you know, I agree with that from a, maybe a, a different source or we'll say a different, you know, I don't know, a different standpoint, whatever it is, what my experience has led me to believe, right? That, yeah, it's the same thing. And the way that we feel, I don't want to say God feeds on that because that, that almost sounds predatory. I don't think it's this. I don't think that's the right words. I don't think those are the right words for it. But I do believe that whatever emotion that we're experiencing is going to be um, either strengthening or degrading our connection to God. And I, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not seeing God in like a strictly religious way. I was raised Catholic. I know the Bible decently. Um, I think I've kind of transcended that uh, view 
for, from a strict standpoint, I don't think a Catholic would call me a Catholic, <laughs> uh, certainly. Um, but I, I do believe that, you know, so I think that we're put here among many things to enjoy. Um, I, you know, I know there are a lot of ugly things happening in the world, certainly. And we've talked about them even on this show. But as we sit right now, you know, I actually have my legs kicked up. I'm looking out my office window. It is a gorgeous day. I've got the sun shining uh, in on me. Um, you know, it's, it's just, there's so many things to appreciate, including having this conversation with you that if I, and I actually, I find things every day to be thankful for. And I have an app on my phone and I know it's cheesy, but I have to actually choose something to be thankful for every single day. And I think that God uh, really, really, I think displaying gratitude strengthens our connection with God. Oh, absolutely. That's a big one. Uh, gratitude is huge. Uh, also, that, that frequency of gratitude, I mentioned it on one of the Outer Limit shows with V, um, but we didn't discuss it any further. There's frequency uh, tonalities that do well with the uh, organic cell and DNA, and uh, gratitude is one of the top four or five Dr. Emoto. Yeah. That, that, that demonstrates yeah. we do that with water. Uh, gratitude is definitely a, a major league emotion. That's, that's extremely important. And the more that we do that, the healthier, uh, the better our life experience will be. Uh, that's I can't em emphasize that enough. So I'm glad you brought that up, but I definitely take this, what I just mentioned, I wouldn't call it a dilemma, but a decision that I'm going to make. I definitely have that as a subject of prayer. And I know that I'll, I'll get the answer. I'll get a, the direction. If I keep these platforms open and keep communicating uh, through media outlets like this, the information, or if I shut everything down and just go solo, I'll get the answer very soon. I, I think um, just on my life experiences, because it's I'm signaling that request for answers and direction. So I'll know which way to go very soon, probably definitely within the next six, six months, I think even less, probably the next three months. So I'll get my answer and then I'll act accordingly. I, uh, we're way past an hour i appreciate you being on this episode of ethereal underground and what what i'd like to do but we could talk privately if uh, in the near future if you would like to come back for a, a, a second show when our schedules match up you know if it's yeah sure, i'd love to you know it's i think that you no know, um, like sometime in november december i think yeah, uh, absolutely. It's, you know, this is a great show. It's, I like the free form. Um, you know, I always, I enjoy having these level of conversation with people such as yourself, because um, there's a, a saying that I picked up from a class I took and it said that nothing new is created in monologue, but when you have a dialogue, <laughs> new things are created. That's, that's correct. Yeah. That's funny. That, yeah, that's a good saying. Well, what happens is, uh, like on, on Discord, the Discord group, and then on Zoom, I've asked a lot of people if they want to chat on Ethereal Underground, and about 80% said no because they're too shy. There's no video. It's just audio. They won't do it. They don't want to do it. So there's only 20%. I, I would love to have more on the show. I can't find but a handful of people because they're too uncomfortable or too nervous, which, which is a shame because I know they have very interesting perspectives. They, they just won't do it. So it's hard to find people to come on my show, <laughs> but especially yeah. you're, you're even more rare where you can carry on a conversation. It's unscripted. You have plenty of material and insight. So it'd be no problem having a, a second or third show where we can talk for, for an hour or longer with no stalled dead airspace, unless internet comes <laughs> out <laughs> like it did on uh, this. 
that was something I, you know, that's rare, um, you know, to have a hard line to go out like that. But, uh, you know, I suppose it happens here and there. Yeah. And of course, on my show, you know, Murphy's Law, everything always pops up. But what I like to because I've got that retreat coming up uh, next week and I'm, I'm going to be uh, busy in the first week of November. But maybe uh, since we know how to communicate privately, I could see what your schedule is like, maybe uh, bef- before the holidays, before Thanksgiving, or if it's that period after Thanksgiving, but, but before end of December. Yeah, we could do both. Yeah, just to, to ha- yeah to have you back, uh, but w- we can play it by ear and see when you can sneak in. Because I'm flexible as far as if it's uh, early in the morning, late at night, afternoon, whatever works with your schedule, and um, have you on again because I really like to continue this conversation, and I'll get feedback when I post this. So put it on the mp3 file loaded up on the the podcast i'll i'll get feedback especially in the next seven to 14 days on our on this interview episode 26 and i'm sure it's going to be very interesting i I get a lot of emails and feedback so i think this is going to be another good show so i've certainly enjoyed it I'm glad that you popped on because I know you had your show earlier today on Rogue News with V and CJ, but uh, taking the time out uh, made me very, very happy to have you on the show, Nick. I, I want to thank oh. you for that. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think you're doing good work. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a way for me to maybe contribute a little um, to to what you're doing, and I enjoy it. I enjoy our conversations. Um, you know, taking time out to do this is something that I like to do. So, uh, you know, I, I would certainly take an invitation to come back. Okay. Well, sounds good. We'll, we'll take you up on that and then I'll let everyone know, uh, when that'll be, maybe we, like you said, we can get one in November and then one in December. Sounds great. Those holiday periods. Well, that'll uh, conclude this episode and, uh, We'll look forward to talking to everyone next week when we do episode 27. Take care.